Hello, and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of Velocities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Sam. And I'm Kalani. And this is episode 28, brought to you by the Song Twins. They're here! (laughs) My children! (laughs) Prepare for probably a lot of screaming from me. Yeah, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of screaming. We all know that Tam is my favorite boy. He's great, and Luna's great. I love them. I love them. No, they're so good. I love them so much. They're 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 amazing. They're beautiful. I love them. We've we've waited so I feel like I've been waiting for yeah, 28 weeks now to be able to talk about my children. And now they're here. I mean, we could have talked about them at any given point and we have, but now we get to like I mean, really talk about them. But yes, now they're actually like physically here where we are in the story. Our children. This whole episode is probably just going to be, like, us yelling about how much we love the songs, which is fair. Yes, it is. No, it literally is. That's all it's, it's going to be. It's what they deserve. It is what they deserve. So, um, this week we read chapters 41 through 52 of Never Seen, which is, in my opinion, like, probably the most iconic section since Dedrick, just oh, because of the Why did to bring up Dedrick? <laughs> Because I, I always have to bring up Dedrick. Because <laughs> I, I was also pr- part of the Dedrick episode. Right, you were. <laughs> Although not much happened for that section other than Dedrick. Yeah. True. True, that was actually a really short episode because pretty much all we did was like scream that Kenrick was dead and then log off. <laughs> it's the grieving process. But now it's the celebration process now, because we have the song twins. So, um, yeah, I guess to start off, we start the section with the Keeper's first day at Exilium, which is like the school, it's like the Foxfire counterpart, except for students who have been banished. Um, they go through this thing called a dividing, which is where... Okay, I have it in my notes described as the keepers have to escape from ropes while grown adults bully them. I I really like uh, Keith in this section. I I, I remember the beginning. First of all, the uh, the you can't get rid of us that easily bit, and then also just you think you can hold me before he falls like the idiot he is. Yes, <laughs> that is just the most Keefe way to do it, to just, like, go down screaming and leave your pants on the rope. (laughs) I love him so much. I really liked also how, like, each of them had a different way of getting down, and it did, like, reflect their personalities. Like, Keefe just kind of went for it and made some mistakes. And then, like, whereas Dex used a gadget and Fitz did something that I don't remember and then Sophie just Fitz blew did, up like, the a arch flip and then untied anything. Yeah, so he did something like very cool and talented. And I don't remember how Bianca got down. How did how did she do it? I think Bianca just swung back and forth until the rope frayed. Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sophie, chaotic Sophie. Yes. Oh god, our chaotic girl. This is one of her most chaotic moments. Which is a high bar to hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've got, like, what? Reading the Ogre King's mind, destroying Lady Galvin's cape, 
this arch thing. I think those would all go in, like, her highlight reel of chaotic moments. I don't know. But, yeah. So she explodes the arch of dividing with the black swan pendant. Yeah. Just up in flames. What I don't really understand, though, is why she thought that would work. I'm pretty... I don't think that she knew exactly how much fire it would make. But... She was just like, oh, fire, that's going to get me out. And just didn't think through the consequences of her actions, because why would she do that? Yeah. No, that's pretty classic, Sophie, just... Consequences? When will you learn your actions have consequences? (laughs) The council just screaming at her, when will you learn? When will you learn that your actions have consequences? (laughs) Yes. That's just the whole series, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it really is. Anyway, yeah, so after after that, Sophie um needs to recuperate because she has been burned with fire. So As one um, does. Yeah, as one does. So oh here's where we meet the um the boobry dude, which yes. is the exili- basically Exilium's version of Elwyn. And also Keith is basically drunk. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> It's just medicine. It's <laughs> the awesome sauce. Oh yeah, this is the drunk quiche section. I've always thought the boobery dude was someone in disguise. I've never like settled on a theory as to who, but he just gives me that feeling. And I don't know, that's kind of all I had to say about him. His name is iconic, the boobery dude. It is. <laughs> I would give my life to be called that. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't, but like, <laughs> would I? Who's stopping you? That should just be how I introduce myself to people. If I didn't like my, if I didn't like my nickname on the Discord server so much already, I'd change it. Samantha, iconic. Well, you know what? I am well, changing Kamantha, mine right Kamantha's now. Samantha's in parentheses at the moment because in front of it, I have simp for natty because really. Oh, it's right. what, it was, it, I, I, I don't a simp for Natty. I get to be Natty's platonic simp. Something I just, like, have written down for this section of the section, I can't use words today, but um, it's, it's that I, I thought it was kind of funny and a little weird that before we got to know Tam, and he's just described as, like, the shade, and he's this random student at Exilium, like, before we got to know him, he's presented as this, like, as this really scary person who's, like, the embodiment of darkness. Or, like, like everyone's like, ooh, it's the shade. But, like, yeah, in real life, he's just not. He's really not. He's just, he just wants to protect his sister and just vibe and not deal with any really. He's willing to deal with the that he has to deal with but But, like yeah so it's very much like i don't know you just get it's just like that's your first impression of tam right where you're hearing other people like talking about him and kind of gossiping about him and it's just so weird and different from who we actually know him to be one thing i wanted to point out was that in this section in the boobery dude's tent uh we we sort of see a different side of Keith that we haven't seen very much before. Yeah. Poor Keith, man. Which is, yeah. 
sad boy Keith. I mean, we have seen sad boy Keith, but this is like... This is like sad boy Keith. I just, I just want him to get the all the hugs he deserves, which is all of them. If I think about it too hard, I'm probably gonna cry. <laughs> I'm very good at that, overthinking and crying. Mood. I do think it's really interesting how, like, we, when he's first presented, he's just sort of first presented, presented as not an, an especially deep or detailed character, like in the first book, and then... He's just the funny dude, you know? The yeah. The funny boy. And then you just sort of, he has a lot of layers, and he, and he does a lot of good things, and he makes a lot of decisions that are quite questionable, and he's just sort of an interesting character. Mm-hmm. It's why he's one of my favorites. And also because he has some very iconic lines. <laughs> and, like, um, you know, the the annotated edition of book one came out a little while ago? Yeah, a few weeks, but... Um, I don't have it. Yeah, Ivy and I, were talk- we were talking about the paperback a few episodes ago. There was this one, um, there was this one note where Keith was introduced, where Shannon Messenger was like, oh, Keith actually wasn't in the original draft of Coddle. Like, I just... Yeah, oh, I remember hearing about yeah, that. Yeah, she was like, I just added him in as, like, someone called the boy, and then he just totally spiraled into this super complex character, which I think is so interesting. That, like, he's very much a happy accident. <laughs> I love when that happens. Yeah, can you imagine how different the series would be if he wasn't in it? I mean, it wouldn't just be missing a character, it would be missing, like, a whole half of the plot at this point, because so much of it is involved with Keith. I love when that happens. I haven't really written much of my own stuff, but, like, uh, y'all could call me cringy if you want, but uh, I, 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 do, I, do, I do roleplay, uh, you know, just, I have fun. And so many times have I just made, like, a quick background character for, like, one quick little interaction. And then that character becomes a whole person with a whole backstory and, like, depth and change. It happens more times than I could count. I guess, like, if the character is good from the beginning, it just kind of happens. (laughs) Or at least interesting. They don't have to be good. Or, yeah, I meant, like, like good in a writing way not necessarily like a morally way morally going on at the keepers first day at exilium i really i'm realizing i've been calling through the keepers this whole episode and maybe previous ones but i don't don't think that's like a canon name for them i don't know anyway when they're i don't think we have one i usually just refer to them as the gang (laughs) i mean yeah like yeah i've heard the gang too i yeah, I don't think there's, like, an official name for them. Hmm. Anyway, so, at their, at their first day at Exilium, they, the next part is, like, they each get marked. Um, like, they're either right or left or ambi, which I guess, I think they said it has to do with, like, brain hemispheres. Like, your left brain versus your right brain, which is, which is actually kind of a myth. Yeah, <laughs> I learned about that. There's actually, like, a psychology. huge difference between the two. <laughs> but uh but yeah i guess it i don't know it's like a mini personality test who knows maybe the myth actually applies to the elves and just not the humans yeah i guess you can like justify a lot of the things in here that don't really make sense with like 
maybe it's different for the elves. You can make it basically any rule work. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they already do that. Like, in the first book, you know, Fitz being like, physics is wrong. <laughs> physics is wrong. Magic is actually Einstein just Einstein is wrong. <laughs> yeah, Einstein was wrong. <laughs> I mean, just in general, though, about Exilium, I understand that, like, it's not supposed to be a great place. Like, it's not designed that it's not designed to be at the same level as Foxfire at, like, as a school just because it's for banished students. But, like, showing how, but, like, showing how, you know, they have, like, all the mats are really worn and they don't, like, have enough food to go around at lunch and stuff like that. It just, like... I get really mad when I, I get really mad when I think about it. Because these are freaking these are kids i know they're kids that did some that did things bad enough to get them banished which is i i think is in general already screwed up in itself but if you're gonna banish them at least banish them somewhere where they could have like some level like a level of proper care yeah when you think about it though it's not really all that different from just sort of having like places like foxfire and then places like Xilium is kind of similar to the human system of how there are some schools that just don't get enough funding and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna bring that up. It reminded me very much of, like, just the the differences in terms of, like, school quality based on, like, your district and, you know, zip codes and whatnot. But, like, also going back to your point, Sam, like, I mean, doing the math regarding, like, the number of beads they had on their, um, like the 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 amount of beads that Tamlin had, we know that they've been there for years. So, which means that they were like eleven when they started at Exilium. Yeah, yeah, I remember that they were eleven. It was never. I don't think it was ever said specifically their age, but just doing the math. Wait, doesn't that mean Lynn manifested really young though? Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, probably seems so. Which sort of adds like a whole nother layer to the whole thing because you're like. Oh, that makes sense that she was so young when she manifested. She probably had, it probably had just happened when she flooded Atlantis. So it's like, so it's not just that she wasn't able to control her power. It's that it was new to her. And like, there was no way she could be expected to control it. Yeah, she, like, she'd flooded, she'd, you know, caused some other floods previously to that. That one was just the big one. And it really happened, like, part of the, a big reason of why it happened is because her parents wouldn't get her a mentor. Because, you know, the song parents are terrible. And I hate them. I I want to punch the song parents, and I want to punch the sense and parents. God, I want to punch them. Same. I just, I just want to freaking punch them right in the gonads. Literally, just let Grady and Adeline and maybe Elwyn just adopt all of them. Yes. I love the Dadwin trend on Tumblr. <laughs> it's so good. I literally have a headcanon that when this is over, like, Elwyn literally does adopt Keith. He's, He's like, like, you're my son now. Get that chaos gremlin out of there so that I may love him. Yeah, and... Okay, and also another thing. Sorry, I keep going on about this, but another thing no, about Exilium. This is, this is good. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, 
another thing about Exilium that I just, like, find that I just hate is that when you banish these children, which is in itself terrible, but it's like the neither the council nor Exilium is even providing them with anywhere to live. They're literally just like, go, be gone, find your own way in the world, and, like, Tamlin yeah, had to like find them. a home of their own with their with the gnomes and and like if you get booted out of if you get booted out of Exilium don't you just stay in banishment you're literally like completely like out of resources unless you're able to find and make them like you might get some food at Exilium but if you're booted out of there too you're kind of screwed yeah and it's like I mean, so far, I don't think we've heard of... Unless you're a conjurer. (laughs) True, yeah. But, like, so far, I don't think we've heard of any communities of banished elves or anything like that where, like, where someone could... Like, a place where someone could realistically go to and get get food and shelter and necessities. Like, you're... It seems like once you're banished, you're pretty much, like, literally on your own in the wilderness. Which is, like, not great. Especially when you're banishing 11-year-olds. Uh-huh. It is very screwed up. Thank God Tam and Lynn found the gnomes. Yeah, the... Yeah, you just, like, as the series goes on, like, in the first book, you're like, oh, wow, they have all this, like, perfect system where everyone has money and they don't have, like, the same... Like, they don't have, like, the prejudices that humans have and all that stuff. And then you go a few books in, you're like, oh, wow, this is messed up. This entire system is really messed up. like who allowed this (laughs) right well i mean apparently the council but like like which one specifically i just want to know i just want to talk true like i wonder when the whole exilium rules sort of came into being like was it was it a law set down by the ancients was it more recent we don't really know remember it's 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 actually literally worded on one of the pages that an exilium uh, that they're fighting for survival and redemption, like, bro. Which is, like, that's so messed up. screwed up. They're children. I don't know, I just, I have a lot of thoughts about Exilium, (laughs) just as a concept. Like, I know it gets, like, like, Sophie makes Exilium get improvements, like, she makes the council improve Exilium and improve the resources, but, like, bro, still... There's still the problem of, like, you're banishing children. Oh, just, like, a little tidbit that I thought was interesting was, um, after, like, since, since the Keepers obviously can't, um, like, give their address as the Black Swan hideout for Exilium, they're, they have, like, a location, they're meeting at the Crooked Forest to go there, right? They meet with Kala, and, um, I thought that was I thought that was cool because I I don't know I one is that I just find like plants in general really cool and two is that I've actually been to one of those um it's like a place where because of like some disease the trees bend at the corner so I was at a summer camp in um Massachusetts a couple years ago and we like went and like there was one day where we went on uh we went on a hike to one of those forest and it was just really cool to see it in person like after i'd read about it and never seen (laughs) before we go to the to the wait what's it called again um the forest though tam does talk a little bit and that's 
I needed to point that out. He's the best. Ah, who gave him the right? I, I, I just, I love everything about him so much, and he's my comfort character. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That's, like, the first thing Tam says to Sophie, right? It's like, if you think this gets easier, it doesn't. Most of this section is sort of them, like, being at Exilium and, like, going through the various classes. Yeah. However, they do save, um, they, they save a gnome, right? Yes, so there's one day where, I think it's on day two, where they save, like, they find a gnome with the plague. So they teleport him to Foxfire. And you know who we run into? Heckin' Jensi! Yes! Bring and I was back like, Jensi! I love him! Was this the last time that we've seen him? Do we see him? Have we, do we see him again since this point? I think he's in Lodestar a little bit, but... I was so happy to see Gen Z. <laughs> he said literally one thing get in this whole book. relevant eventually. Yeah, I hope so. Like, I mean, Blur he got official art. Definitely his brother. So, like, I feel like if you bring up Gen Z's brother, you kind of have to bring Gen Z into it. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Otherwise, the fans will scream and go rabid. <laughs> I was so mad when he wasn't in Legacy at all. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I, was just like, I, I really thought he'd be there. I thought he would, because, like, we got more Morella, we got more Maruka, but Gen Z, who's that? And I was also surprised, because, like, he got official art. So, why would you give him art if yeah, you weren't like, going to we put him in the book? I feel so And then we did it! Maybe soon, though. I was just going to say, just bring my boy back, but that's it, really. <laughs> bring him back. Okay, this is a random thing that annoys me, that someone said that, like, the coaches were freaking out when, um, I think it was Keith, Keith said the coaches were freaking out when Sophie and Fitz teleported, but don't they know she can teleport because she literally has an ability badge? I think they were mostly freaking out because it was just like, what the hell, they just left, we don't know what's going on, they just, just, they just, they, they just went. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Do they even know, like, she can teleport, though? Cause I believe so. I, the, her pin is just an alicorn on it, I right? I think so, that like, they know, though. I th- they were probably told. Yeah. Okay, also, who designed the Exilium pin? Does Exilium like... have a graphic designer? Imagine just, like, on- Imagine just on your resume, just graphic designer at Exilium. Like- they they can't afford medicine, but they can afford a graphic designer. Wait, that's true. Like, where do they get all those pins? Something else I wanted to bring up very quickly was that at Exilium, when they're getting lunch, Sophie gets a piece of fruit. She describes it as tasting like juicy cheese. What does that uh, mean? I didn't need to remember juicy cheese. I don't know. <laughs> it just bothers me so much. Yeah, that, that bothers me. And then the fact that right after that, she was like, she saw Tam and Lynn sharing a thing, and she's like, I wonder if they're boyfriend and girlfriend, and I'm like, Yeah, oh, you Sophie, don't even stop. know! <laughs> Sophie, you don't even know! And then it's just like, well, no! Um, there was this great conversation- I will- ah, I don't even remember what I read. I think- I think it was a conversation, telepathically possibly, between Sophie and Tam at Exilium, it- and it just stuck after me where, like, Sophie was like, hey, you know, maybe if they, like, gave you some 
basic life necessities at Exilium, you'd like them better. And then, and then Tam was like, no, because it's like, it's an easier, like fear is an easier way to control people. And I just, I thought, I, I don't know. I love that conversation. Okay, you know what hurt? When Sophie was like, can you have too many friends? And then Tam's just like, I wouldn't know. I'm like, that hurt my heart. My son, you deserve so many friends. I want to hug him. It hurt my heart so much. Like, that's another thing. At this point, Tam and Lynn are just, they're, they're on their own. All the gnomes are gone. There's, they must be just so lonely. And I just, ah! I, they'd better have gotten plenty of hugs. The gang should just have one big cuddle pile. It sounds very therapeutic, and God knows they need it. And then finally, on, on day three of Exilium, Tam and Lynn leap Sophie to their home in Wildwood, and this is where we get to meet them properly. I have no notes for this section because... My notes just kind of devolved into key smashes. So. <laughs> That's such a mood. I would do the same thing. Okay, so Tail and Lynn, Tail and Lynn, Tail and Lynn, Tail and Lynn. I'm so happy. I love them. God, I love them. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything coherent to say about either of them because I love them both so much. I wish I could vocalize keyboard smashes. <laughs> I can't even imagine how it would come out. This is it's it, this is the beginning and then my head just takes the rest of it to more and more cam. God, there's uh, it's still the best ship for me hands down. Cam, Cam is good. Cam is very good. Although I do have a coherent thought about the songs actually. So, um I or it's tangentially related to the songs. So I I love how um you know, as soon as, like, Sophie comes back and tells Mr. Forkel about the songs, he's immediately like, oh, man, like, let's get them a home in the Dwarven Cities, and, like, he just immediately, um, does all this stuff in order to get exactly. the Exactly, Mr. Like, Forkel is so awesome. It's like, yeah, it's like, he's just, he's a good person, and... He's just like, yeah, he knows, like, yeah, Exilium program is screwed up. You want somewhere to stay where you can have food and a comfortable living environment and it's safe? Then come on in. Oh, I'm just realizing. Do you think he, like, I don't know, do you think maybe he did all this stuff for the songs because he was a twin as well? So, like, yeah. He just, he felt, he felt, I mean, also probably, also probably because he's just a good person. Well, but, yeah, yeah. But that probably played a hand. But, and also, like, it brings up the question of, like, so if Mr. Forkel was able to do all that stuff in about five minutes with relatively little effort, how come the council has not done this for anybody? Because the council is filled not completely, but mostly with people who are probably assholes. There are some good ones, but... Eee. Like and the council has the law. Like we on got their like side. we got Orly, like, we got we got Bronte and we had Kenrick. No And we have <laughs> Tarek. Tarek is Tarek is cool. F in chat. F like the fire that no, killed I'm sorry. F is for fire <laughs> that killed the council. No! 
her dad. <laughs> Love how we're going in a backwards alphabet here. <laughs> Starting from S. C is for counselor who's dead. Uh. But it's like the council has power and the ability to do all this stuff. We don't have ones for B and A. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, council sucks. You know what else happened this section? Sylvanie's pregnant. Oh, man. Look. The Sylvanie's pregnant reveal. The alicorn baby making. That scene makes me want to just throw the book. I hate it so much. I'm sorry. I know. Me too. Like, burn it. Okay, like, 13-year-old me reading this was like, haha, that's funny. Now, 18-year-old me reading this is like, those are some words that I didn't need to see in my entire life, yet Shannon Messenger made me look at them with my own two eyes. We all vibe with Keith just being like, stop! <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm about to get, I'm about to get a little bit, like, venti here, but like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can have, you can have that, in, you can have that in a children's book, but not a single, like, same-sex couple or anything. <laughs> right? True. Mm. Just give Elwin it's a like, husband. Hmm. <laughs> it's that easy. Literally. Make hus canon. Make hus canon. Also, Tyrion and Prentice. Yeah. They're totally, they're, they're totally a thing. I'm sorry. And if they're not an official thing, they have feelings for each other. So many. Yeah, the more I read, like, the more I reread, I'm like, I'm like, there, perhaps there's a heterosexual way to explain this, but. No. But I'm, I'm just refusing to see it. <laughs> I do not see exactly. it. Exactly. I've, I've literally. <laughs> I pretend <laughs> I do not see it. I've, I've said this word for word multiple times on this show, but like. There, uh, there may be a heterosexual explanation. There's probably a heterosexual explanation for Tyrion Apprentice. I'm just electing to ignore it. That's my it. motto. Also, Lynn is gay. I'm, I'm just putting that out there. Lynn. Who? Which one? Lynn. Song. I, I blinked what? Lynn. Yeah, oh yeah. Very much. Lynn. I, I, for some reason I thought you were saying Glenn for two seconds. I'm like, who the f- is Glenn? <laughs> I was like, I don't think we had one of those. <laughs> But yeah, Lynn, I, I had canon Lynn as a lesbian as well. I just feel the need to say right now, Linella. Linella, I agree. Don't, don't we all? Linella writes. And I, I still think all the time about the, about the, Lynn doesn't like Keith. But yes, not, not for, for the, the reason, reason you think. think. Right. Like, yes. You're good. I, I don't think there is. I literally can't think of another reason that is. Maybe it's because I'm a lesbian, but... Yeah, it's just like, am I just, like, conditioned to think of everything as not straight because I'm not straight? Probably. I'm the, I'm the same way. Um, it's more fun that way. I love Linella to death, but I think that my favorite ship for Lynn is Seliniana. Good ship. Oh, that's good. good. Ship. That is very good. Because we we stand uh, some extra gay with a polyamorous couple, and also that means I just get to project my gayness onto a poly my gay polyamoryness onto <laughs> to an OT three. I project a lot. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm right there with you. How did we get to this from Sylvanie being pregnant? 
we were, we were, we were talking about how they were like, how they, they could talk about, um, horses, baby making, but not include a gay couple. I will talk, I could talk Which about Which is considerably less for gross. Hours. Yeah, I could talk about this for hours on end, but I, about the way, the weird way the matchmaking system is set up and the strange implications behind that. But I will hold back. I probably should hold back. Yeah, no, the matchmaking system is... It has some worrying aspects to it. Yeah, and, like, the thing is that elves are supposed to be, like, not have any of the same biases as humans. Yeah, they have different biases that are also bad, but they're not supposed to have the same, like... It, like, they're not supposed to have, like, sexism and racism and all that, but... Their entire system is, matchmaking system is just set up so there can only be straight people, which I'm like, hmm, hmm. I mean, okay, to be fair, like, to be fair to the Lost Cities, I think there are some ways for the matchmaking system to be able to include same-sex relationships, like, because we don't know really if they have an elixir that would, like, allow two people of the same sex to have a child, or, you know things like that but the thing is that just the, the way that it's set up without those sorts of clarifications it is it it just does read as really heteronormative i'm sorry you should never let me start talking about this because i won't shut up on the topic of gayness though i this is also the section in which tim meets keith and i'm just here like it begins god it's just a whole like romantic rivalry thing what a not not as in rivalry over romance, but like a rivalry that is romantic. Rivals wild lovers. Yes, that yeah, I I I knew that's what you meant. Yeah, not even rivals two lovers. <laughs> Just I I love them so much. They're so good. They are so good. Uh, I honestly need to write more fan fiction, but like, I also have others that I'm working on. Including this one that I'm writing for my friend because this friend of mine, they like they do a lot for me. They love to they love to spoil me and just the rest of our friends, uh, and uh, pretty much this whole house essentially. Like, um, but uh, yeah, and they they don't let anyone repay them for that. Like, like no, don't buy me things. Do not buy me things. Do not make me things. But then I offered to write fan fiction for their ships, for which I also ship, and they were like, "Yes, that can be your repayment." Yeah, honestly, who needs money when you've got fan fiction? That should just become the currency. Like, could you imagine? Fan fiction would be way less judged. But yeah, uh, Keith being able to instantly do just. A, a perfect impression of Tam. I'm just like, hmm. I'm just like, hmm. I'm gonna not give that a heterosexual explanation. Yeah, we we stand. Just ignore the heterosexual explanation. That's how to live your life. I know we mentioned that that Lynn is. I know we mentioned that Lynn. Yeah, I know. I know we mentioned that Lynn is definitely gay, and so on top of that, Tam is also definitely gay. I'm I, like, I'm sorry. That is a gay man. When I, I, I just, it's a gay man, and also I, I think I mentioned in the LGBT episode that I also had canon him as Ace once. Once I can't remember who, but someone brought it up, and I was like, beautiful gay Ace boy. 
That is great. I'm imagining, I'm not sure whether, like, coming out is a thing in the Lost Cities or whether everyone just vibes, because, again, there's been no explanation about this ever, but I'm imagining when when just being to Tam, like, I think I'm gay, and he's like, okay, me too. He's like, me too, not special, we're both gay in this household. I actually, okay, we're kind of, like, devolving into LGBT headcanons now, but, Go, um... again. But, um, I actually, I do headcanon Tam as trans as well. Because, like, I think, I don't know, I, f- I feel like there's been a lot of posts, like, floating around about that, but it makes sense. Because his name means twin. So, like, it just makes a lot of sense that he would have chosen that. Yeah, his parents would, yeah, his parents would not name their child twin. And I feel like, yeah, also there's a lot of description of, like, how similar Tam and Lynn look, and it's like they could have been identical. I really like the idea of Tam naming it, like, Tam choosing the name Tam just to spite. Just out of spite. A lot of the thing with things with Tam and Lynn's parents and, like, them passing off their kids as being different ages and all that kind of reminded me about how parents, like, some homophobic parents can be around LGBTQ children. So, like, I'm just put, putting that out there. So neither of the song twins are straight. We've we've established this. <laughs> um yeah, the last few bits and pieces of this section, um I think there's like two bits left. One of them is about Keith. So we could go back to talking a bit about Keith. Um Yeah, where Mr. Fork will give Sophie this note that they found in his in Candleshade. I is where Gisela wrote, I'm doing this for you, to Keith, and, um, so, yeah, that's kind of sad. It's sad, but also, like, wow, manipulative. Yeah. (laughs) And then the last bit of the section, Sophie yelling at the council. Yes, that, that was, yeah, that was involved in it. I, right, I forgot about that, where Sophie's like, hey, Exilium is um kind of terrible. Maybe you should look into that. Yeah, like go off, Sophie. We what an icon. And then also soup. Yes, soup. Soup. Soup it's is stew. Good. <laughs> okay, fine. It's stew. First of all, one, I love the stew section. This is about Stark Flower Stew where um Kala teaches Sophie how to make Stark Flower Stew. I love the section because it's Kala and Sophie bonding. I I love I love their interactions. I love gnome grandmother. Okay, I love how okay I love how we all make Dedrick jokes, but no one makes jokes about Kala dying because we're all too sen- sensitive. There was actually there was a there there was a pun about that a few years ago, and it um it never really took off, but it was people would say like call like Cal all gone. Um. I, I, I've seen one, you know, like, the Asdaf movies, just, somebody help by being robbed, and then Callowith, I'll save you, oh, tree powers, the tree power, activate. I'll save <laughs> yeah. That is, like, that's, like, the second time someone's mentioned that on this podcast, actually. <laughs> so. Same, uh, same, same video, video, I believe, possibly, but I do, or... It might have been a separate one, but um, I did see uh one for for Umber. Do you remember how she got crushed by that door? 
Uh, and that was her death. Just the another Asdaf one that was just no, oh, the door. Who's there? Yes, the door. <laughs> that is Umber. <laughs> Rip Umber. I will not miss you. Yeah, although her dying did like lead to worse bad things. That's also very true. Got my boy taken. I forgot about that real quick. I just got. I just got angry because I remembered, oh, um, the, the thing that Umber did with the freaking, the, the shadow flux and the fingers and, ugh. I can't read the, I can't read that scene. I cannot handle things happening to people's fingers. And it was described in a way that was not enjoyable. It's that and I, and stuff with eyes. I can't handle, like, eye injury things. But yeah, the, the stew... I like that scene especially now because it, uh, like, because now I, uh, it, like, because then it makes me think of, uh, when my mom was, uh, uh, was teaching me her recipe for beef, for beef stew, which is freaking amazing. And so now I get even more happy vibes reading that section. Yeah, it's, it's such a sweet scene, and, like, I... Agree, I think it's cool that it's like making food together is just is something that it's like it's used as a motif for you know for like togetherness and for found family just in so many things that I've read and watched and it's such a universal thing like everybody learns everybody learns how to like make food or eats food with you know with people who they care about and it's just such a universal symbol throughout so many cultures because it's just soft and warm vibes. It's soft and warm vibes and just... Uh, God, me too. I love it so much. God, I'm just, I'm just so soft for found family. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the last thing I wanted to bring up was in the, during the Starkflower stew scene, actually, Kawa starts talking about legacies. Oh, no. Two book eight. I was about to say, oh no, that word again. The L word. <laughs> oh, that's a word that comes back many, many times. That becomes important, just a little bit. Um, but really the context that she was talking about it in was like, was like the idea of passing down her recipe for Starkflower stew, you know, and like giving that part of herself to to Sophie. And even though like she didn't know she was going to turn into a tree at that point, like, it just still feels so, like, just back to what we were saying before about, like, making food together and just how that feels. I, I'm, in, I, I'm in soft mode now. I love Kala so much. I love also, her. Okay, I know, I know I'm just, I, I know I, like, everything I bring, I'm bringing up today is gay, but I, I always think about how um about how her the panic's petals were are pink, purple, and blue. So like Callus <gasps> byrights, and I love her. Oh, Callus <laughs> says byrights. Oh my gosh, that's true. Callus <laughs> gonna say byrights for the rest of her afterlife. Yeah, that that's how I would go out. <laughs> The flowers like, heal everything, so therefore the bisexuals heal people. Yeah, I, I've just had healing powers. All and honestly, truth. 
Bi save lives. Yeah, Cal just saved all of the gnomes with the power of bisexuality. <laughs> Alright, uh, so do you want to wrap up and move on to sharing social media? Yeah. Uh, I have since updated my Tumblr URL, so, and it's, it's low-key an embarrassing one, but I'm gonna give it anyway. <laughs> um, it's, it's mostly just because I'm very hyper fixated on a particular character at the moment. So you can find me on Instagram where I almost never post anything uh, at Electric Spins. The, there's no S at the end. It's a Z. And then my embarrassing Tumblr username born out of hyper fixation is I love Ryuji Sakamoto so f***ing much. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at Sewer 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 Couch and on Instagram at Clawney underscore Clue. And you can find me at Malamelting on both Tumblr and Instagram. And you can also follow the podcast as a whole at KeeperCast on Tumblr and the KeeperCast on Instagram. It was nice to come back. Yeah, it was really nice to have you. All right. Do we have any last thoughts about... Tam and Lynn. They deserve everything. Tam and Lynn. That's all I gotta say. Give them hugs. I want to give them hugs. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week. Bye. Bye.